one of the key strengths is the relationship building with clients. Hello, listener. You are very welcome to Good Copy, Bad Copy, the B2B copywriting podcast. This is episode 92, would you believe? And we'll be talking about how the B2B telecoms industry is changing and what this means for the kind of marketing content that we produce. If you're not in telecoms, do stick with us because the strategies that telecoms marketers are using to diversify their offer and move up the value curve could well be relevant to you too. Anyway, My name is David Maguire. I'm Creative Director at Radix Communications and our guest co-host for this episode is a familiar voice, Radix Consultant Copywriter George Reith. How's it going, George? Yeah, it's not too bad, David. Thanks for uh, having me back on the podcast once again. Well, you know, I had my arm twisted, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Hopefully the listeners are ready to hear my dulcet, pessimistic tones once again. Yeah, speaking of of, of pessimism, how's 2021 going for you so far? (laughs) See, I was worried you were going to ask me that, and I was thinking like, ooh, I better come up with something, you know, quite trite and positive about how this year's going to be better. But, um, well, that wouldn't be very me, would it? (laughs) Honestly, it's fine so far, right? We all knew what we were getting in for. It's going to be a tough one, I think, but there's sure to be opportunity along with challenge, yeah, right? I mean, I, 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 you know, I hate it. I've I got to say, I, I, <laughs> I, I hate it. I'm one of the you know few copywriters who's an extrovert, and I get my energy from being <laughs> around people. Like, not being in the office, I find it so hard to do anything. Like... Compared to lots of businesses, it's nicer problems to have, you know, like we've got plenty of work, the clients are happy, you know, we've got good colleagues, we can work from home, all of this stuff, but I just hate not having people around, and I haven't been east of St. Austell since February, like last year. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say, no more regular trips up to London for work, it's just... Yeah, <laughs> life south of the Tamar, forevermore. I can't really complain, I suppose, either. Cornwall's, Cornwall's great, but <laughs> I'd like to see some more of the, the world and, you know, some of my friends and colleagues around the country. Anyway. I bet you our listeners who are in, uh, <laughs> you know, a big city somewhere are just sitting there listening to us complaining about being in Cornwall, probably going like, you know, shut up. <laughs> Stop talking. I better not go on about any of my problems because I'm hey. going to sound incredibly privileged by comparison to a lot of people. As far as, far as I hear, everyone from Tier 4 is already in Cornwall and that's who's in our hospitals at the moment. <laughs> Controversial Controversial, topic. that's the rumour that I had. Let's move on. Uh, <laughs> Listener, as you can hear, we are recording this in a socially distanced way, so the audio quality maybe isn't what you would have expected if you'd been listening to us in, you know, pre-apocalyptic times, but do stick with us, it's a good episode. Uh, George, do you want to let them know where they can get in touch if they'd like to? Sure thing, listener. If you have any comments, questions, or suggestions about what you're hearing, you can get in touch with us by email. Podcast at radix-communications.com or on Twitter. R-A-D-I-X-C-O-M. Radixcom. Ooh, fancy. So in recent years, we've seen the content we write for telecoms providers change quite a bit, uh, from talking about things like networks and connectivity primarily, to embracing all new topics for that sector, things like cybersecurity, business consultancy, and the Internet of Things. 
It seems that the industry is changing. Firms are trying to move away from commoditized services to become more strategic business partners, and they're using content to change that perception of their brand. David, you talked to a telecoms marketer about this recently, didn't you? Yeah, I did. Uh, Sarah Zamet-Tester is the business marketing specialist at GoPLC, uh, and that's Malta's biggest provider of internet, mobile, and networking connectivity in a B2B context. So I kind of wanted to get into this change in telecoms and to find out what other B2B content creators could learn from it. So I started by asking Sarah how she's seen marketing, and telecoms in particular, change over her career. Well, um, I've been part of the marketing industry for years now, so I've seen it um, uh, change quite a bit um, from uh, pre-social media, pre-Facebook times, <laughs> that long. Um, so it's obviously changed a lot. Um, and even over the recent couple of years I've been in the telecoms industry, I've also noticed that it's um, gone more digital and uh, gone more focused on content. So uh, it's it's all about educating the, the market, educating your clients um, to help position our brand as an expert, to help position our team as an expert. So um, there's been shifts into, of course, um, uh, push kind of marketing to pulling um, clients to you through um, uh, exposing our expertise, exposing our strong points, exposing how we can help and how, exposing how um, our, our, our business can be the, the chosen partner of choice for our clients. And we do that by focusing on our expertise. So what can we do for you? How can we help you? How can, how can we partner up so we can help you grow? Um, so uh, it's more focused on um, uh, highlighting our content to educate in a way that they trust who we are um, enough to obviously work with us. So that's changed. Of course, it's changed even more this year with everything yes. that's going on. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Um, And so, yeah, I mean, so how have things changed this year? Has um, the situation with COVID, has it changed the direction for you or has it just kind of accelerated what was already happening? Well, for a lot of companies and for a lot of businesses, it has accelerated, sped up things. Um, Perhaps some businesses were thinking of going digital. Now they had no choice but to go digital. Um, So things that they were thinking of doing in three to five years time, now they had to do them. Um, From our perspective, marketing wise, obviously there are some plans that we had in mind that we had to hold. Um, uh, You know, we operate in a, a small in this a small island, so the market is small, so we're um, launching some live events that we obviously had to um, um, reshift um, and shift focus on other things. So um, uh, it sped up the changes that needed to be done. It sped up uh, our focus on content marketing and also the topics that we were going to focus on changed as well a little bit based on the new work then that now we had to do, um, supporting our customers with new things, supporting supporting our customers with the COVID challenges, um, remote working, set up, that sort of stuff. Um, we changed our focus to highlight how we're helping, how we've helped and how we can continue to support the industry. And is that something where there was kind of more than one phase to that? So I guess when COVID initially hit, there was, you know, presumably people just needed help to know just what to do now, just to, how to get through the next few weeks. 
and then I guess the content has to change and then you have to educate them about what life might look like in the future and for, and for the, the long term. Is that right? Exactly. Or were you able to do both at once? Well, um, uh, educating about what needed to be done re- re- had happened very quickly because mm. um, clients needed solutions, you know, um, tomorrow. <laughs> um, uh, so from our end, from client side, we had a lot of work to do. Um, so honestly, we shifted more to exposing the work that we were doing. So how we're supporting, what kind of um, services we're providing to our clients, um, setting up VPN so um, employees for businesses can... R- work remotely in a safe manner, um, extending um, um, connections to have more broadband support, um, extending um, uh, call transfer so, you know, call center can work from remotely as well. Um, so what we did initially is highlight our work in that sense. So how are we helping local businesses? How is go um, locally? Um, being there for our, our businesses, our community, and what we're providing and how we're working with our clients. So initially, that's how, how, how we approached it. Obviously, that in itself exposed what could be done and what we could do and how we can help. So that was the first phase. Then we shifted on to, okay, how um, did all this impact the networks? How did all of this impact our services and how we managed to have everything um, uh, remain stable for our clients, right? Um, So then we shifted from remote working, perhaps, um, approach going back to the office or adopting businesses, adopting, for example, a remote and office working environment, which is the new normal, right? Or what we hope to be in the normal. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so we started off with what we're doing because we had to do it quickly. So there was no really no time. Listen, you could do this. No, we have to do it now. So let's expose what we're doing. Um, and then shifting on to how we can continuously support. And you mentioned your shift that I mean that was already happening more towards kind of content marketing. Is some of that education piece about the nature of services and the breadth of services and technology that you have to provide as a telecoms provider now? Because it's not just about phone lines and mobile calls anymore, is it? It's about IoT and cybersecurity and and, and all of these things that your customers might not necessarily know you for. And so is part of that why you're doing the, the content marketing or is that a thing that you just think needed to happen anyway? Um, we wanted to do content marketing because uh, we believe it is um, a core part of digital marketing these days. But having said that, yes, we needed to expose and we needed to brand ourselves um, as more than just the regular, um, um, the traditional telecoms provider. So a lot of our clients know who we are. A lot of our clients trust us because of our history, because of the, um, the brand goodwill that we have locally. We've been around for a lot of years. Um, having said that, especially um, for some in the business community, they are not aware of the wide range of services that we offer, the consultancy, um, uh, the tech support. Um, uh, so 
that is one of the main goals for us, was for us initially in 2020. Um, that uh, obviously had to be tweaked a little bit due to the nature of the situation. Having said that, obviously, um, it had to, it, it kind of highlighted what we do in a, in a quicker way, really and truly. So, yes, we needed to highlight what we do um, uh, for clients, uh, not just have here's your broadband, has, here's your phone and your, 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 your mobile service. So how do you get um, your prospects or your customers to trust you to make that transition? If they're used to you providing their broadband, providing their, their connectivity or whatever, to trust you to then give them consultancy to you know to give them technical advice and technology and, and that kind of thing you know I, I think lots of b2b businesses want to move up the value chain that way become less commoditized what do you do in your marketing that helps them to trust you to make that change Okay, so what we're trying to do and what we've been doing is um, highlighting, highlighting our expertise and um, taking advantage of the talent we have in-house. Um, we have uh, we are lucky to have a team of um, um, very well-versed tech experts working with us that work at the pre-sales team. So they come to us with uh, um, a lot of insight into the pain points of our clients. So we can take that and then translate it into content. Okay, um, we understand your pain points. We know what we can do to help you out. This is how we can work together. Um, uh, and this is, uh, you know, hey, this is what we also offer. So, of course, um, uh, one of the key strengths um, of Go is the relationship building with clients. Um, so that is one area that helps us transition and move up the value chain, so to speak. So um, our pre-sales team, when they're looking at clients, they can see um, uh, pain points and they can highlight what needs to be done and they can help them that way. You know, then invariably they move on to, to get added help from us. But from a marketing perspective, highlighting um, um, uh, their pain points and the content that we that we produce is is key, and obviously uh, that is supported through the social campaigns that we do, where we share our content and we generate leads through the content that we produce. So, highlighting the pain points, making sure they know we understand, and making sure also they know that we have experts in house that you know are um, that that are are key to to supporting our clients. So it's. Understanding what they're going through, uh, sharing the the knowledge and the expertise that you, that you have in house, and sharing some of that, um, but then also um, proving um, what you've done and your track record, and showing what you're doing for other people, which might inspire your your next prospect or your next customer exactly. to go. I want. I want some of that. Exactly. Uh, in fact, one of the things that we've done this year, part of our content marketing, besides, um, you know, regular blog posts, articles, we've uh, recently launched an ebook um, where we highlight in detail our bespoke um, services and why specific businesses um, 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 should look into that and how we can they can partner with us so we can help them um, navigate technology not just within the next two years but 
in the next five, ten years, so building a robust um, foundation. Um, and we're also, um, we've also worked on publishing a number of case studies um, that further highlights in practice what we can do and what we've done over the years, because obviously a lot of theory and a lot of talk is, is good to show that we are experts and we know what we're talking about, but then showing exactly um, in practice what we've done, then that sets it on another level, like, okay, um, uh, this is what they can do, so we can, you know, have a chat. <laughs> so going from that kind of, you know, fairly kind of commoditized, it's lines, it's broadband, it's that kind of thing, to... Here's a five-year vision for the technology in your business, that kind of thing. Obviously, that's a big transition for your customers to go with you back. But does that put pressure on you as a marketer to understand a lot more about the technology than you have before? Is there more for you to get your head around? And, and how do you do that? There is. <laughs> Undoubtedly, <laughs> there is. Um, I'm lucky to work in a, um, in a very good team who share their expertise with me. And, you know, uh, sh there's a lot of knowledge sharing. We, we work as one go team. Um, so this is not something that I do alone. Um, whenever we have an idea, whenever we have, we're thinking of a, a number of content pieces that we want to, to publish or, or anything, um, we talk with the, with, you know, the tech experts, with our sales team, um, so they're able to guide us in what's best and also highlight what, should, what we should work on, what we should not work on, and that gives me room to um, um, iron out any doubts or uh, figure things out, shall we, so to speak. But in a way, that puts me in a good position, um, uh, better than perhaps them, to, to position our marketing in a better way, because our end clients, some of them might be a techie, but most of them are not. So I, I kind of can translate what needs to be said to our audience in a non-techie way. <laughs> so I can um, highlight and understand how perhaps to position things um, uh, that our clients can understand. So yes, there's a lot of tech to go um, <laughs> to understand, but uh, you know, having a team to back me up helps tremendously. Thanks, Sarah, for giving us your time and being so open about your insights and experiences. Uh, George, as a writer who sometimes creates telecoms content, what stood out there for you? Many things, David, but I should probably give our listener a bit of a heads up here that uh, I actually work with Sarah quite a bit on Go's content. So I am legally obligated to say it's it's amazing. No, I'm joking. I, in all honesty, <laughs> I have worked with them a lot. I've spoken to a lot of the team at Go and they're uh, you know a really great bunch and, and do a lot of really good things for their clients. So it's really interesting to hear Sarah's take uh, on the industry and how marketing is changing in general in a lot of ways. Um, and I think, you know, I think some of the things that have stuck out for me really hearing her response is that it's tempting to look at telecoms as like this quite unique beast. And I think in a lot of ways they are in the sense of just how much change is going on all the time in that industry. But, you know, I think I think a lot of sectors are seeing a lot of change. That's kind of a, I hate the phrase, you know, change is the only constant. And I don't want to go in the cliche there, but it kind of is for a lot of people. And so I think a lot of the the, the challenges and the tips of how to overcome those challenges are kind of universal for all marketers, really. Um, and I think we're going to get on to talk about that a little bit later about sort of how you you sort of reposition yourselves as an expert in a new area, especially, 
you know, if you're your own worst enemy and you built up this amazing reputation as providing a great, you know, network for consumers, how do you suddenly then, you know, say, no, no, we're not those guys anymore. We're the business consultants as well. We're the, you know, we're the yeah, support yeah. specialists. What do you do about that? And the problem is, again, if you've done a great job of marketing yourselves as this like rock solid, reliable network for consumers and, you know, the biggest one in Malta, that's a really steep hill you've got to climb all of a sudden. Whereas if you hadn't marketed yourself so well, it'd be easy to enter the <laughs> well, arena straight away with well, no baggage. Yeah, I mean, I don't know that it would be easy, but there, but there is this <laughs> thing with, with anyone that's new in an area. It's like, hang on, you, you provide my phones? Why would I trust you to give me business advice? You know, why, 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 why would I trust you to tell me about the internet of things? Exactly. And I think some of it is establishing that credibility in a new area and I think that's something that a lot of um a lot of businesses face I mean a lot of businesses are trying to do this thing where they move up that value curve a bit um you know and 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 become more strategic you know everybody wants to be a trusted advisor right um but to to become credible in an area that you're not known for um I mean I suppose it, it is one of the things that content can do for you right yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, the, the best thing you can do in content is obviously write something really, really smart, whatever it is, right? And especially mm. if you do it for a whole new area, people can look at it and effectively have the proof in the pudding right there that like, oh, these guys actually know a lot about IoT. Oh, I got my phone through them, but they must know what they're talking about because this is all really deep and in-depth content in this ebook. He says, having maybe written it. No, I'm not going to say that about my own content. But, you know, um, that kind of thing, right? Again, because I guess because a lot of content, particularly longer form stuff, gives you that space to kind of show off without showing off and go, hey, look at all this information we've just given you about IoT. There's more where that came from. You know, whereas yeah. you might not get that, say, if you... I don't know, you just have like a couple of back and forths on LinkedIn. So I sort of feel the, the content machine is pretty well set up for this sort of thing. Yeah, um, I mean, because you've got to, and it's got to be helpful content, right? You know, it's got to be content that people are people are reading it or watching it or engaging with it in another way because they want to get to the value that's in it. They don't mm-hmm. just want to know what your proposition is in this area because at the moment they probably don't care. But, you know, if there's a thing that they don't know and you can help them get to grips with it, that's that's got to be useful. Um, an ebook is a quite an in-depth thing for someone to read if they don't particularly know that they can trust you in an area, though. Does that kind of make the the title or the way that you spin it or do you attribute it to a an author or... You know, on the work that you've done, how have you done that to get people's attention so that, that you know, to earn that credibility so that they'll even read an ebook from you? Ooh, so, see, that's a really interesting one. I think a couple of things I've done for that in the past are, I mean, the, the obvious and easiest thing to do is to just really go out of your way to signal that the reader is in the right place. So doing mm-hmm. something in the introduction, because uh, the, the biggest problem I see when when marketers are attempting to pivot to kind of, show that they're experts in a new area for their brand is they do that thing where they sort of try and dip their toe in the water and they go like "Eh, yeah you know we're going to talk for a little bit about iot you know but we're still a telecoms company you know they kind of almost like get a little scared of going all in and i think if in the intro you're like right this is really specifically about iot you're absolutely in the right place if you want something about iot this is what it is you're just kind of 
you know, really going in on it. I think that's kind of the the first step, right? There's no oh. half measures. This is the yeah, IoT no, it, thing now. Interesting, because my, my instinct would have been, I think, to go, not necessarily the other way, but start by writing about the end of IoT that you can kind of see the link. You know, oh, yeah. so maybe I mean, you start saying, by talking yeah. about, you know, um, you know, say if you're a telecoms provider, you, you know, you talk about, what the advent of 5G will mean for IoT or how to make yeah. sure that your IoT solution works with 4G and 5G or whatever. You know, but the bit you go, okay, I can understand why they're talking about this thing. And maybe you kind of slide into that area, but kind of what you're thinking is, no, fully commit, big <laughs> well, bang. I'm not saying there can't be any segue, right? You know, I feel there's sort of some topics like you're describing here that, that offer a kind of lead in they offer an opening to just start discussing iot but i think what you don't want to do is kind of you know someone's read like two thousand words about iot related problem solving and then you get to the end and go oh we also offer loads of telecom stuff why don't you give one of us a call you know what i mean like the cta suddenly yeah. gives the game away that you're sort of you know um you're not you're not really fully into it um so i think that's something to be careful careful of um I see people do it quite a lot. I think there's sort of a lack of confidence sometimes, maybe, that sort of betrays earnest efforts to enter new markets and sectors. It's something to be really careful of, I think. Um, but, I mean, you know, I think a side of it as well that kind of is an antidote to that is is kind of trying to find ways to insert authority. Now, obviously, mm. as you said, writing helpful content is the absolute epitome of having authority on something. If you can show sure. someone, okay, I'm going to solve your problem because I've got loads of information. Doesn't yeah. get better than that. I mean, uh, if I had a pound for every time I said, don't tell me you're funny, tell me a joke. Yep. <laughs> the age old <laughs> adage of show, don't tell. But obviously, like, that's kind of hard, right? Um, mm. And also requires your reader to have kind of committed to it. You know, they've got to read your full ebook to get all the information and then be able to assess the fact that you're clearly an expert in the thing you say you're an expert in. I think a really interesting thing I saw recently, actually, with a client, again, they're not a network telco type in the, in the traditional sense, um, but they, they were branching out into a new sector that they hadn't really covered before. And I saw a really cool thing they did where they just, they had a customer they were kind of chatting to in that area and they didn't necessarily have enough material there for a full case study, which obviously, as we know, is a really good way to show authority that you've mm -hmm. literally done it for, for a, done this thing you say you're going to do for a customer and it's live and doing really well and stuff. Mm -hmm. um, they didn't quite have that yet. Um, which is obviously the problem of breaking into a new areas. You have no evidence, testimonials or anything sure. yet. But what they did instead was they said to this this customer, hey, you know, why don't you do a guest blog with us? And you can yeah. just write a blog about some cool stuff, like how the technology has lots of potential for this this area you're working in. Um, and so, again, I'm not going to name any names because I don't want to give the game away, but I, I helped ghostwrite the guest blog just to make sure it was, <laughs> you know, looking really pleasant and uh, wordsmithed correctly and all that jazz. Um, but yeah, no, I think that was a really interesting way to do it. And again, just by having someone else's name rather than yours saying, oh, yeah, this technology has really like important implications and these guys are doing it with us. And, you know, it's really exciting. I, I think that does so much work you know i could write the mm. best blog or ebook or whatever in the world about a new area but if someone else says it it's going to be way better for your brand yeah. right yeah and if you're warming up you kind of you know you're warming up the water in in in, in that area aren't you? you know where um you know you may be working with third parties to produce the content but you're beginning to get a track record of talking about that content so eventually you can start talking about it and it won't be jarring and and weird i, I guess i mean i think whether it's a third party or, or whether it's someone in-house, if the brand doesn't feel like a natural fit for the subject, 
in people's minds or they don't understand why it's a natural fit. Having an author with really good credentials, you know, like sometimes, you know, these, you know, telcos are, you know, a classic for it, you know, where they're in this area and they've got people working for them who are brilliant on cybersecurity, who are brilliant on digital transformation or IoT or, or whatever, but that's someone that is working behind the scenes and is hidden behind the brand and bringing those people forward and actually go, no, you know, being open about the fact that we are good at this because we have these experts. Look, here's an expert talking about a thing. You know, showing you're working there a bit more, I think, can be, you know, pretty helpful as well. You know, building the credibility of individuals within the brand can, I think, be probably easier or quicker than establishing the credibility of a brand in a new sector when the brand's known for something else. Yeah, absolutely. And I think uh, the beautiful thing about sort of getting an individual to author something on behalf of your brand rather than just having like the brand being the author um, is that there's there's a lot of <laughs> there's a lot of amazing authority that can be done without having to use any words. Because, for instance, if you like see this amazing blog written from a place you didn't expect and it's got a name at the top, you know, you might chuck that name in LinkedIn. Maybe there's a link to that person's LinkedIn profile. And you can immediately see, oh, right, they work for this telco now, but, like, 10 years ago, they worked for, like, Microsoft or some really big name or some name that's, you know, not normally associated with telco. They're associated with this new area like cybersecurity or whatever. And you go, oh, right, well, they're working for them now, so obviously this company has loads of cybersecurity experts, so they must be good at it now, right? So it just kind of does that work. I mean, maybe I'm putting too much effort into the reader yeah, here. Maybe I'm asking I, too much of them. I don't know. I, 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 I kind of imagine in that, and, I, and, and forgive me if I'm wrong, I imagine that you are perhaps a shade or two nerdier than, <laughs> than, your, than your average B2B decision maker. You know, because, true. because I don't think many readers are going to, you know, check the LinkedIn profile of the person, of the author. I, I, I'm betraying I, myself I, a bit there, to I be honest. I think I'm a shade nerdier but, than like most think, people, let alone those of <laughs> so, um, yeah. I, I, th I think the point does <laughs> stand. Like you could put a little summary of their experience or something in the foot of a blog or in a box out or, or something. And I, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think so. You know, they're, they're, you know, stuff from a previous life, I think is, is, mm. is important. One In which case, ignore I... my advice, let's go back no, no. and let's just say, right, make it obvious. Put, put a byline <laughs> in and be like, you know, so-and-so was an expert yeah. in this from a previous company. <laughs> hey, listener, if you're a marketer, A-B test it and, and let us know how it went. Um, George, Sarah also talked about the need to learn new topics quickly. And she was saying, how you know, she's got expert colleagues that are happy to spend time with her and bring her up to speed. Now, that, that's a big help. But one of the things I wanted to get your perspective on, you know, people don't always have that. And and you, as a writer, you need to switch hats really quickly. And and you are, you know, often working at subjects that are more at the technical end of the stuff that, that, that we write at Radix. So how do you get up to speed really fast on a new thing? I mean, do you have any tips for the for the listener if they need to learn about a new area of technology quickly? <laughs> so I do have a few and um, I feel they may be disappointing though I feel this, this, may, this is one of those things where people hey. think there's some like you know dark secret website I go to and I, I don't know I cast a spell and commune with the spirits or something um, it's not that mm -hmm. not that exciting oh. <laughs> I know I'll disappointing right um, 
No, honestly, like, do you know what's really funny? This is the same answer that um, if you ever get a chance to talk to, like, programmers and coders about how they solve, like, really complex, like, software challenges and, and development challenges, they'll give you the same answer, which is just to be really, really good at Google. Um, so it's sure. to know the terms you're looking for. It's to know how to use wildcards and other, like, little fun things you can do in Google to narrow results. Um, I mean, so there's that. The, the other option I think you have as well, which is a very powerful one, is to understand that uh, if you're in a technical area, that, that most people who are nerds are really happy to to answer questions for you. So if you go on somewhere like Acora or Reddit or somewhere that's like associated with that that topic you're on and just ask questions, you will have loads of people who will come in and... and and help you out. And this is a great tip I got once, which um, I've never used because it feels a bit mean. Um, I was always told if, if you go online and ask a question and nobody gives you an answer, instead of asking a question, uh, make a statement that's incorrect because <laughs> someone will absolutely come in and correct you, right? So if you like, just, just say something as if it's fact and someone will very quickly set you straight if you're wrong, right? And that is... That's powerful, you know, Ooh. manipulation there, but it's... Do, uh, do you not need a fake profile for that so that you don't oh, get yeah, completely I mean, burned? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't associate your, like, actual professional profile with <laughs> making incorrect statements on a Reddit about <laughs> telco software or something, I don't know. But, um, yeah, make a fake profile, for sure. But, um, you know, it, it, it works. Um, but I think, in general, you know, that again, the online research thing is really powerful, however you decide to do it. Um, but I think the, the, the key to do that right, I think, is to start learning the, the key words effectively and how they relate to each other, right? Because, you know, if, if you're just going in and you don't know what to look for, that's going to make it really hard to search for information. Whereas if you can learn even a little bit of, of, of terminology, so let's take IoT as an example, you know, if you can work out the different components that are in an IoT solution, then you can start searching for, like, how people are talking about, say, IoT sensors. But if you didn't know they were referred to as sensors and you thought they were called, like, receivers or I don't know some other term that's not really used that often then suddenly you know your search results are going to be really limited so I think try and find a way to learn the keywords again Google's pretty helpful here because if you start using the wrong term it gives you that really like helpful like autofill thing and you can start kind of playing around with that um that's good um and I think the other thing to be careful of when doing research is red herrings I think it's it's very easy in technical subjects to get sucked down rabbit holes of like really niche stuff that you just don't need to know <laughs> I think if you're against the clock and you're learning something quickly you don't have time to get sucked into this IoT wormhole of like really specific like communication protocols and stuff like that you just don't have the time um, so you kind of have to stay pretty disciplined I think and and stick to what you need to know not rather what you'd want to know yeah, oh God, absolutely. I, I'm still chuckling at the idea of annoying nerds in order to get your answer. I, I, <laughs> it I, feels I, very mean-spirited, so don't take that advice too literally. Well, if I suddenly pop up on certain Reddits and, and Quora and yeah. see all kinds of incorrect things, I'm going to know why. Yeah, um, but, but similarly, <laughs> like, you know, the people that you are annoying in that instance are the people that will turn up on a thread to post something that starts, well, actually... <laughs> you know, and, and so, you know, it, it's kind of a double win, I, I, I suppose. Um, and I suppose the thing that sort of goes hand in hand with learning new subjects is, um, you know, particularly in something like telecoms, if they're going from, you know, connectivity to business advice, is they're going to have to reach new audiences and understand the priorities and pain points of, of new kinds of decision makers as well. I guess that's something that that you have to do a, a, a bit too when you're uh, when you're creating content for these guys, right? Mm, yeah, absolutely. And the new audience question is, you know, a common one. And I'm starting to see actually interestingly happening a lot of 
businesses that aren't necessarily going into new areas because you know the situation you're talking about here is like okay we're going to go into a new product or solution area yeah. so we need to talk to new people whereas i think i'm seeing some businesses that they're kind of doing the same thing they've always been doing but they just realized that like well technical people can't make a buying decision so we also kind of mm. want to be getting up the chain and talking to like you know the cfo and the people with the purse strings the senior decision makers so you know it's a question i think about a lot and i get asked about a lot um and you know it's it's a really hard one to answer because I think it really depends on how much insight you have, how much data you have to pull on. Mm. I mean, I think I think if you're in quite a mature, quite large organisation, talking to people who actually talk to customers is like your number one thing. Like you probably have mm. somebody in sales who has probably talked to like different people at different levels and they can at least give you some idea of the kinds of things they're hearing, the kinds of things they're having conversations about. I think that's extremely powerful. If you don't have that, the job's a lot harder, but it's 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 not impossible. I, I think, again, looking around at what people are writing online, what people are talking about on various forums, what they're talking about on LinkedIn and stuff like that, it's going to yield a lot of results. But I think you need a way to kind of process all that information. And for me, it's always it, it always comes down to what the similarities and differences are to things you already know. I think, you, you know, you have some idea of how businesses function and what certain business audiences think. And it's about understanding where this new audience is kind of the same to what you already know. That's going to help mm. you learn them really quickly. But then you need to work out what the differences are. And that's what you're going to focus on in terms of how you're pivoting your content. So, you know, a great example being this telco moving into, say, IoT. You know, the kinds of organizations that are going to be looking for those different services. There's quite a lot of similarity between them, I think, you know. Mm. If you're going for business phones, you need to know that they're on a network that's going to be reliable. You don't want mm -hmm. really patchy signal dropping out and causing all sorts of problems. That's a common problem with IoT as well. People want to know, oh, if I install this thing on this remote oil rig I've got, is it, is it going to actually be able to send any data or is it going to get into some weird black spot where like, I can't send anything out and the whole thing's pointless? So there's mm. some similarity there. Obviously, there's tons of differences as well, because, again, you know, the question of, like, whether I can get signal in my office in Manchester is hugely different to, like, whether I can get signal on this oil rig off the coast of Norway. It's a wildly different technical problem all of a sudden. But there's some similarities, and that can help you get an understanding of what people might be thinking about and then where the differences are that you need to, like, start learning more about. Yeah, one one tip that I heard that I, I absolutely loved, it's, it's not dissimilar from your core on Reddit one, really, but... Um, um, was to find online conversations about the thing among professionals by searching for the keywords and that kind of thing, but in your search, throwing in an emotional word that somebody would use in a conversation about the subject with another professional. Mm. You know, so, you know, blah, 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 M2M SIM cards, blah, 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 blah pain in the ass, you know, or blah, 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 really frustrating, blah, 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 you know, blah, blah, blah. The thing I found brilliant is blah, you know, or something like that. But, but pitching emotional words in those searches or words that, that, that people would use if they were chatting about the subject to mm -hmm. kind of find, you know, to kind of expose some of those, those places and um, those conversations, I, you know, I, I always thought that was a that's a fun one, and that is a good I, one. I, I, I like the idea also of having it helps me being a million years old and having had various work incarnations that you know a lot of the time I know someone that's done the job mm -hmm. or I know someone that's similar, you know, 
Um, and so, and so, if I'm beginning to read a persona, I can start to go, oh, that's a bit like that person that I know who does that job, or you know, and and having real examples of people, and then you can write in your mind for that person rather than writing for a, a blank job title. You know, I think having someone to act, if you like, as an avatar for the reader rather than just having a persona for the reader, I think is pretty mm. powerful too. Yeah. But that does sort of rely on having um, lots of, of, of contacts and colleagues around different kinds of organisations and at different levels and with different mm. kinds of yeah, uh, jobs. Yeah, it does. Roles. But also at the same time, though, I think even if your, your professional or, or personal network of people in these kinds of jobs isn't, isn't that broad, you know, I, I think that can be really helpful anyway. You know, even if you go, OK, well, you know, my pal Joan is kind of in that role, but like, you know, their company's a lot smaller than the one I'm looking at. Well, that's still something you can base it on, right? You can go, okay, mm. well, they'd probably be worried about this then, but also then they'd have to be worried about like who has access to the IoT data because they'll be in a business of like 100 people. It'll just clarify in your mind the questions, I guess, that you need to answer. Because like you said, if you, you know, well, aside from your, your advice about putting in the emotive words, if you just go on Google and start typing around about, like, what do people think of IoT? You'll, you'll come back with all sorts of things that might not be helpful, right? So it'll at least clarify what you need to look for. So, David, it sounds like that might be all we have time for this month. You're not wrong. All we have left to do is to thank Sarah Zamet Tester from GoPLC and thank you, George, for being such a super slick co-host. Always a pleasure to have you here. Yeah, thank you, David. You've uh, cheered up my Wednesday afternoon with this. It's been a ride. Sounds like it. Um, we also have to remind the listener how they can contact us. Uh, next time, we'll be talking about the insights marketers need from other departments to make good content. So if you have tips, uh, questions, or especially war stories, that would be brilliant. We really want to hear them. Um, so, George, could you introduce our shiny new jingles? I sure can. So, once again, listener, it's jingle time. Please send us your thoughts on email. Podcast at radix-communications.com Or you can send us your views on Twitter. At radix.com. That's R-A-D-I-X-C-O-M. Thanks again, George. And thank you, listener, for your time. Until the next episode, remember, it's good to talk. Unless you're in a kitchen hiding from velociraptors, then maybe don't. Goodbye. Bye-bye.